0: All right, good morning. How is everybody doing this morning? Pretty good? Oh, good. I'm glad. I can tell you guys are up, energized, smiling on the face. That's good. All right, so I am privileged to be speaking with uh, you this morning. Um, Obviously, we would like to do this under different circumstances, but we are praying that Pastor can be back in the pulpit preaching consistently and that he'll have a quick recovery. If you would, turn your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And we'll begin by looking at verse number one this morning. As you're turning there, let me ask you this question. Have you ever loved something before? Now, I've heard people say, you know, I love that song. Ooh, that's a good song. I love that song. Or some people say, oh, I love that mocha iced coffee from Dunkin' Donuts. Some people will say, particularly ladies, I would hope, "Oh, when they're shopping, that Coach Purse caught my eye. I love that Coach Purse. I know it's uh, Christmas season, so uh, we have a lot of people with, you know, stocking stuffers, probably some gift ideas. Let me give you a few uh, of people that love certain things. Jared loves the uh, Rifle, what is it, Black Rifle um, Coffee Company. Kevin would love Mickey Mouse. Uh, Betsy and Jessica, uh, my sister-in-law, they love Simply Southern and the Crystal uh, franchise there That's probably the saddest thing I've ever heard Crystal uh, restaurant How many of you guys like crystals? Anybody? Okay, I'm praying for you um, Ruben Now he loves baseball I didn't know that about him He loves baseball And Lauren, learned this last night, loves Taco Bell Can you believe that? I, I couldn't I loved something once, or thought I did And I, I've told this story before But I'm going to tell it again Because I'm just going to do it when I was 10 years old, all I wanted was a hamster, right? All, I was super excited. I said, Mom, can I have a hamster? And she said, Joe, if you save your money up and you work hard, you can have a hamster. And I promised, Mom, I will love this thing. I will take care of this thing. This will be my friend. We will do so many things together. And so I saved my money up. Right after my birthday, we went to Petco, and we walked through the doors, and there's all these hamsters everywhere. And I found a particular hamster who had his head buried in the wood chips, and I said, that's my hamster right there. And I named him Fred and I bought him a little water bottle, bought him a little spinny wheel, got him one of those hamster balls. And we did a lot of things together. Pushed him around, had some races. I would say I love that hamster. But my love for him faded because summer came along and I quite literally forgot that I had a hamster. My mom says to me one day, Joe, have you fed Fred? And I said, yeah, yeah I have. So I run up to my room and I look. And I find Fred there dead in the wood chips. Just dead. And I didn't know about the decaying process. I just turned 10, remember that. And so I'm thinking, you know, how often does my mom come up to my room? Not that often. So I'm just going to bury him in the wood chips, kind of leave him there. <laughs> Whatever. Day or so later, starts smelling a little bit. Can just spray some, you know, Axe cologne. You know how that is. Um, a week later... Two weeks later, that smell got so bad, I couldn't sleep in my room anymore, and so I'm now falling asleep, watching TV downstairs, and it's now coming down the staircase into the rest of the living area, and my mom says, Joe, you need to clean that room. It's starting to smell in here, and so I am scared. My mom is going to come up to my room, discover what happened, so I run up there, and I'm looking around, and I see Fred, and he doesn't look like Fred, but he's... He's Fred, and I'm thinking, how can I get rid of this? And I see a window. I open that window, and I don't remember with what I threw him out with. But I threw him out the window, and I thought it was home free. But I wasn't, because we had a dog named Charlie. And this particular day, Charlie thought it would be great to bring my mom a present. And so I come down, and there's me, Fred, Charlie, and my mom. There, needless to say, I got in pretty big trouble for that one. But the moral story is, I thought I'd love the hamster, right? Thinking back to the good times we had until he was dead, that was awesome. But isn't it strange that out of one mouth I'll say I love a hamster, and then out of the same lips I say that I love my wife? And you would say, you know, brother Joe, that's kind of weird. That's, that's that's different, right? And you'd be right. I'm looking at people out here who have been married or were married, or planning on becoming married, and they can attest there is a clear difference between the common use of the word love and true love. Now, a pastor has said it many times, but there are things that you learn about your spouse after you're married and things that your spouse learns about you after you're married. There is a clear difference between infatuation and love. Infatuation focuses on oneself, how that person makes me feel, and, and what you can get out of that relationship. But love, true love, focuses on others. Love puts the needs of others before your own. You know, a good example of this in real time, uh, I would say of Miss Janice. She probably never thought she was going to be taking care of a pastor the way that she has been. But she's willfully doing that because she loves her husband. An example of this, even from Scripture, is, I would say, of Christ's love for us. Jesus Christ loved us enough to die on the cross for our sins. And as we dive into this Christmas account, I want us to see love woven into every verse. Because I believe that God wants us to understand this morning how much he loved us. And we're going to look at three truths from his word. The first is, his love is humbling. The second, his love is for all. And third, His love was planned. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for how good you've been to us, Lord. We thank you for your love, and we thank you for your mercy. And we, Lord, we thank you so much that Pastor is here with us this morning, and we could just hear his voice and see him behind this pulpit. And Lord, we are encouraged by that, and I pray that you continue to heal him. um, And Lord, bring him back to us behind the pulpit quickly, Lord, and that he will be 100%. But Lord, I pray for this morning, every soul here, Lord, as we dive into your word, that we will learn more about you. Learn about your love for us and that your love will motivate us to action, Lord. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. So if you're taking notes, the first would be uh, love. His love was humbling. So look with me at uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. It says this, And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and um, laid him there in a manger because there was no room For them in the end. Luke tells us of the details surrounding Jesus' birth. Caesar Augustus decides for some reason that he is going to tax the nations that he has conquered, which has now caused the Jews to go back to their own place. Mary, being great with child, now has to follow her espoused husband to Bethlehem. Now, if you guys remember um, what it's like for pregnancy, I remember Betsy and I were told that we shouldn't travel after a certain extent. So this is crazy to me, right? To imagine somebody who is about to conceive a child now going on this long, strenuous trip. But yet this is what happened. And as they get to the city, our days were accomplished that she should deliver. And Mary and Joseph go room to room, end to end, looking for a place where they can have this child and ultimately find rest. But there was no room for them. The innkeeper offers them a lowly stable, and she brought forth her son, her firstborn son, and laid him there in a manger. So no doubt, you've probably heard this story, this account, many times. Uh, if, even if you don't go to church often, this is something that you've probably heard at least before. If you're anything like our family, we actually read this story every Christmas morning before we open up presents. But have you ever really just considered the magnitude of Christ's coming? Have you ever considered what it really means that Jesus Christ became flesh? Look with me now at Luke 1, verse 31. And this is the angel coming to Mary and announcing the birth. The Bible says, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there shall be shall be no end. What, what this is saying is he shall be great. He shall be called the son of the highest. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom has no end. John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. God became flesh and dwelt among us. God, the creator of of their universe. For without him was not anything made that was made. The one so powerful that through his spoken words, let there be light. And there was light. By his very will, this universe is and was. And then by his sheer pleasure, he formed man from the dust of the ground. Our God who was and is and forever will be. There is nothing that can compare to the splendor of our God. But yet, our God was willing to humble himself and become fashion as a man. The God of all things willfully humbled himself and became as his creation. Philippians 2, 5-8 says this, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, Thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made and laid in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Can you imagine just the craziness of what that sounds like? God, the one who created this universe, was willing to humble himself. But yet I want you to imagine this scenario with me, a real-life scenario. Imagine if our president would come in here today, this morning, and in this scenario, every pew is packed, all right? There is no room for him, and we don't have any room for his entourage, so now he has to actually sit in the foyer because there's no room for him. And now, this particular day, we have a dinner on the grounds, and so we go over there, and we we didn't plan for him. We didn't know he and his people were coming, and so we had to end up giving him our scraps, and you say, you know, That's crazy. That that would never happen. And you'd be right. That wouldn't happen because we know to respect and to honor that position. But how much more? Our God came to earth as his creation and was born in a stable because there was no room for him. Our God was who formed the majesty and the beauty of a sunset and a sunrise was wrapped and swaddling clothes, cloths used in an embalming. And the king of this universe was laid in a manger, the place where animals feed. How many of us would say, that doesn't make any sense? It doesn't make any sense. Why he would do that? But he did those things because he loved you. Picture with me the amount of love that it would take for Jesus to lower himself that way he did. He loved us so much that he is willing to die on the cross and send himself to die for this whole world. So Christians, in light of that, let me ask you this. Do do you love like that? Is, Is your love humbling? Are you putting the needs of others before yourself? See, I believe the easiest example of this is our willingness... To tell others about Jesus, to witness, to go door knocking, handing out tracts, telling others about him. See, Jesus may not be, uh, witnessing may not be the most comfortable thing to do in the world. See, it's kind of humbling to put yourself out there and be willing to be rejected by some people. But yet, Jesus lowered himself, was willing to open himself to mockery and rejection because he loved you. So shouldn't we also be willing to humble ourselves? For our love for Jesus. Because ultimately, Jesus' love was humbling. Not only was it humbling, but it was also for all. His love was for all. Look with me now in verse number eight. The Bible says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. The Bible tells us there were shepherds keeping their sheep near the gates of the city. Now, I can imagine that this is a brisk night. They're probably huddled by a fire, um, which is probably their only light. And I, I can imagine that they're probably talking about the craziness that sheep do. Ricky's wandering over here again. I had to talk to him. Felipe just fell into the creek again. This guy was eating the wrong type of grass. And they're talking. And all of a sudden, a bright light shone around about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel of the Lord says, fear not. Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior which is Christ the Lord. And when the shepherds heard this great announcement and then the location of this child, they don't waste any time. They don't, they don't just start talking about the sheep again. No, they, they make haste. They run to Bethlehem, and they find this child close to an inn in a stable, wrapped in swelling clothes, just as the angel had said, What I find fascinating about this is that out of all the people in the world to tell of the Messiah's birth, the Lord chose to tell shepherds. Now, this is not somebody you would just invite to a party, right? These are not not the high class. These are not the ones that you're like, wow, I need to invite those shepherds over tonight. It's not something that happens usually. Often shepherds were smelly people. They were in the lower class. They were the lowly. In fact, these were men who made an honest day's wage for an honest day work, and they had nothing to offer this Messiah except their adoration. But another account in Luke, uh, Matthew chapter 2 tells us of some wise men who knew of the Messiah's birth. Wise men from the East who studied the stars and knew of the prophecy, telling of a king that would be born. These men were scholars, and from the gifts that they brought they must have been successful or wealthy men. Well, the Bible tells us of two different types of people. And I I think that there's a reason for this. I I don't think the Bible or God, when he spoke these words, didn't just do it by accident. I think he's trying to tell us something. And what he's trying to tell us is that anyone can come to Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter, matter the color of skin. It doesn't matter what you have done All may come to Jesus. Even the angel said this. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good, great tidings, which shall be unto all people. All people. It is not all categories of people. It's not even all types of people. Jesus came that all may come to him. And when witnessing, I've heard people say this. It's not like it's been one time, but several different times. Somebody says to me, well, Jesus wouldn't have died for me if he knew what I've done. The response to that is. Jesus died for you because he's known what you've done. Jesus came to heal the sick, the poor, and the lame. He touched the broken and the weary, and he came to save the sinner. The great thing about salvation is that we all must come to the reality that salvation that Jesus offers is for us. Each person must be willing to accept that free gift of salvation. And why? Why would a king, a great high king, offer himself to all people? It's because of his love for all. The Bible says that he's no respecter of persons. Quite literally, the only thing that can keep you from salvation and coming to Christ is yourself. Christian, is your love like that? Is your love for all? See, I think the best example of our love for others is how we treat others. See, it's always super easy to be kind and loving to somebody who is lovely, lovely, lovable. It's a little bit more difficult to somebody who gets under the skin a little bit or who's different than us. It's not always easy to be kind and patient, but Christ, again, he's not a respecter of persons. He did not just come for the lovable, they're easy to love. He came for the broken and the weary, and our love should transmit to others the same way Christ has transmitted that to us. And as we get to our last truth, I want us to remember that his love was planned. His love was planned. Look with me now in verse 17. And when they had seen it, they had made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. See, when Mary heard all the things that the shepherds told him, as, she, as they explained that there was a bright light and angels that began to praise God and say glory to God in the highest, she, she didn't ask questions. She, didn't, she didn't, didn't talk about it, really. She just pondered, and she was considering the amazing handiwork of God. See, how could God orchestrate all these events for his purpose? Well, isn't a plan evident? Isn't a plan evident in every single passage here in the book of Luke thus far? A tax went out by a pagan king who caused Joseph and Mary to go to Bethlehem, where she delivered the Messiah, as the prophecy said in Micah 5. Angels came and spoke to shepherds and told them of the very place Jesus would be and what he would be wrapped in. Wise men followed a star based on a prophecy that was given hundreds of hundreds of years ago. And yes, I believe Mary pondered these things and considered what God had planned for her child ahead. See, Jesus did not come to this world to be praised. Now, he will be praised when he comes the second time. He'll come on a great white horse and every knee will bow to Jesus Christ. But his first time, he did not come to be praised. And this is evident in his lowly birth. During his earthly ministry, many times Jesus told people, he said, listen, don't tell everybody about the miracles that I performed here. Keep it quiet. Don't vocalize it. And at the end of his ministry, he went from hundreds of thousands of disciples and followers down to just a faithful few. See, Jesus came with a purpose, and his purpose was to die. Jesus humbled himself and came obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And you may say, why? Why why would God go through all that trouble? Why did he have to come to die? It's because of you, and it's because of me. Because we are all sinners, and we have done wrong. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin is anything that we say, do, or don't do that offends a holy and a righteous God. And if you're honest with yourselves, you can admit, I've lied. I've thought some impure thoughts. I was disobedient. I was selfish. And the Bible says, for the wages of sin, the earnings of our sin, the actions that we do, is death separation from a loving and caring God forever in a place of pain and torment called hell. And this is a place not of a party, a gathering, but this is a place of tears and regret and agony created for Satan and the fallen angels. But yet God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God, God, became flesh and died for us to take away the punishment. The wrath of God that should have been poured out upon us was poured out on his only begotten son. God did this to restore a relationship between you and him. God loves you so much that he desires for you to be with him and to serve him. See, the Bible says he's not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. And if you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins, being the only way of salvation, and you repent of your sins, you too can be saved. So why would God be willing to do this? Again, why would he be willing to offer? We have nothing to offer. We have nothing to add to God's majesty. It's simply because of love. His love for you. That's why he was willing to go through the pain. That's why he was willing to go through rejection and torment and eventually death. He did that for you. And as we close up this morning, let me ask you this. Were you able to see in the narrative, were you able to see his love, his plan, his actions were all motivated by his love? So let me ask you, what are you going to do with it? As a Christian, are we living each day in in light of this reality? Have you been grateful for his sacrifice? Are you living for him, which is your reasonable service? Have you been telling other people about the gift that he offers and what he's done for you to others this morning? Have you ever accepted Jesus' free gift of salvation? Has there been a day... When you realize that you were a sinner, repented of your sins, and called upon the only one who can save you. See, I gave this illustration uh, at Master Clubs on Wednesday, and I think uh, it would be a good one here. I, I don't have money in my wallet often, so you know, I'll, I'll make use of it while I can. So if, imagine with me. Well, I actually do have it, I think. You know, I got $5. I think there's a 20 in here somewhere. There it is, $20, right? Imagine with me, if I was going down to one of you, I'll say Milan, and I give him this $20 bill, and I just hand it out to him. See, he's ready for it. It would be foolish for him to not accept this $20. Why? Because it's valuable, right? You can, make, you can do a lot of things with $20. Not a lot, but quite a bit. You know, McDonald's, Taco Bell, buy some nice bouquet of flowers for your wife. There's a lot of things you could do. And it would be foolish for him not to. But imagine with me this morning that Jesus Christ is standing before you with open arms and he's offering to you a relationship with him. He's offering you eternal life. He's offering you freedom from your sins. How foolish would it be for us to not accept that free gift, knowing what it costs and the value of it, but yet? I would say there's many who have heard that Jesus Christ came. he was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, and died for their sins, appeasing the wrath of God. And he raised again the third day. Would it not be amazing if we as Christians lived our lives in light of the love of God? Would it not be an amazing thing that we, knowing the love of Jesus, that that love would motivate us to action this morning. Would you do that? Would you do that this morning? Would you allow His love to change you? Let's go to the Lord in prayer.